Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, and today, a lot of stuff to talk about in the show. We're starting off with the Endeavor Group. They've bought nine minor league baseball teams, and let me tell you why this is potentially the best thing to happen to minor league baseball in years. So the Endeavor Group, uh, they they made a subsidiary called Diamond Baseball Holdings that's going to hold these teams. But they bought nine minor league teams, all four of the Braves affiliates, AAA Gwinnett, AA Mississippi, High A Rome, and Low A Augusta. They bought the Cubs AAA affiliate in Iowa. They bought the Yankees AAA affiliate in Scranton Wilkes Bar, the Yankees High A affiliate in Hudson Valley, the Cardinals AAA in Memphis, and the Giants Low A in San Jose. It's a lot of teams to be owned by one company. But let me tell you why it's good. So Endeavor Group has a lot of stuff going on when it comes to sports. They also own Ultimate Fighting. They own Professional Bull Riding. They own the EuroLeague. They own Fanatics Trading Cards, just in the news recently. And so this is, on its face, this is a little curious. Because minor league baseball is a mature industry that's profitable, but usually not to the scale a company like an Endeavor Group that's owned by a hedge fund would be accustomed to. And so the initial question is, why would they do something like this? And to me, they're obviously looking for revenue, but they're going to get it differently from how most minor league teams do. So the big thing to me behind Endeavor coming in and buying nine minor league baseball teams is you're going to start seeing a lot of economies of scale in minor league baseball. So Endeavor is going to handle marketing at the corporate level. They own IMG Learfield, so they already do marketing for the NCAA. It's not that hard to go ahead and add in marketing for nine minor league teams in here. And apparently they're going to bid on the marketing rights for all of minor league baseball as a whole from MLB. So they can do this at a corporate level, save some money when it comes to staffing because they have one dedicated team of professionals to do this instead of having your local play-by-play guy who's also the media guy who also does three or four other jobs. You can have a professional team do it. And then when it's time to sell sponsorships, you're going to see them be able to sell sponsorships across the entire portfolio of Endeavor Holdings. So you can go, you can have a professional bull riding sponsor a minor league baseball game. You can have, if there's a, let's say you're playing in Augusta, you know, you're, you're part of the brave system and UFC has a fight coming up in Atlanta. I'm willing to bet you you're going to see UFC advertised at that baseball game to try to attack those fans and say, hey, Atlanta is going to have this UFC event in two weeks. You should come see it. But then also, this professional marketing department can sell sponsorships across industries. So you can go to a company and say, hey, we're going to put you in all these different markets. We're going to put you in Georgia and Mississippi with the Braves. We're going to put you in Pennsylvania and New York with the Yankees. We're going to put you in in Memphis with the Cardinals. We're going to have you in all these different markets, and it's one deal. So it's easier to get a company to commit to one deal than it is a bunch of little small ones. And then looking at alternative revenue, you're going to see sponsorships and events be able to go across the Endeavor Sports portfolio. You know, I've... I've never wanted, I've never asked for a bull riding event at a minor league ballpark, but I'm willing to bet you we're going to get it. You know, you can have a UFC fight at home plate. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that you're able to do 
when you have all of these different companies under one umbrella of Endeavor Group. And then obviously the big question that we all care about, we're here because we like prospects. We like these kids. So how does this affect the players? And I think the first takeaway is marketability for these players is going to be enhanced. So they're going to have a professional marketing department that can help create content or build a social media presence. And like I mentioned earlier, right now that kind of thing is handled all by one person locally. So your your play-by-play guy is also also your director of media relations. He's also, you know, he's bringing in journalists to cover the he's doing all of that work. He might not have time to sit down with you and help you with your with, with your Twitter. But Endeavor will have a professional marketing department that can do that. Uh, at the same time, that marketing group can market those athletes to national brands. You're not limited to a local or regional sponsorship. You can sign a player who's in the Brave single A, and you can follow him. That same sponsorship can travel with him to double A, to triple A, and then to the MLB level because one entity owns all of those teams that he works under. And so no matter which level he's in, double A, single A, triple A, he can have that sponsorship deal go with him. Think about how how name, image, and likeness works in college. It's separate from the school. It's attached to the player. That's a thing that you're able to do now with Endeavor handling the marketing is you can do that all at a larger level. And then obviously cross-promotional opportunities for players across the own sports properties division of Endeavor. Um, I don't know what jobs there are at a PBR event, I don't. There's not like a checkered flag you can wave, but there's something that you can do. You can bring in a baseball player, and you can have them do that as an opportunity. One for them to make some money, but to promote the baseball team. So, I imagine it's going to be really easy to have some pretty great trading cards when the company that uh, that runs your team also owns the trading card company. And then when it comes to the actual quality of the play on the field, player development is going to be better by Endeavor stepping into this. Uh, they have a large resource pool, so they can better pay for player development. I mean, think about if you have nine teams, rather than those nine individual teams trying to hire nine hitting coaches, you can have hitting coaches at each one, and then the company can pay for one star quality hitting coach to work across the entire system. You know, they can work remotely, they can travel back and forth, they can work across levels, work across affiliates. They'll definitely have access to the newest technology and everything. And so the expenditures you have to make on housing for minor leaguers, on development for minor leaguers, it's just easier for a large company like Endeavor to do that versus individual teams trying to make that that decision on their own. And if you think about it, Endeavor has every reason to keep the MLB teams that, that rely on these farm systems for players. Endeavor has every reason to keep them happy because the player development license is not permanently attached to these organizations. Those renew every 10 years. And so there's no value in one of these organizations if it doesn't have the player development license. You've lost your financial investment in that organization. So Endeavor is incentivized to make sure these players are taken care of. They're they're fed well. They're given great living conditions. They're, they're given the best possible training and development so that when it's time to get to the major leagues, MLB says, hey, we got great players from that affiliate 
If Endeavor wants to buy more, we're going to let them do that. If Endeavor wants to renew that player development license, we're going to renew it because they're doing a good thing. And talking about doing a good thing, it's the new year. And that means New Year's resolutions. So if you have one about getting fit, eating healthier, whatever it might be, make sure you build Built Bar into your plan. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I think it's better than a candy bar. And they make it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. Most, most candy bars, 200 plus calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Most Built Bars, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, at least 17 grams of protein. There's tons of flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel. I could go on and on. They have a lot of limited time flavors. You have to go to built.com to see what's new. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. And talking about trying to do things better in the new year, I I feel bad for the 2019 draft class because they have the toughest road to the majors of any draft class in recent history. I mean, think about it. If you're a draftee in 2019, you played in rookie ball in the summer or the fall. Some of these guys went to winter ball, but a lot of them didn't because they've been playing pretty much continuously their entire, like the entire year before they got drafted. And then no 2020 minor league season. Yes, every major league team had an alternate site with players there, but they were capped on how many players they got. So select few of the top prospects actually got to go to the alternate site. Everybody else had to train on their own. And then you go from a year of not having baseball. A lot of the winter leagues didn't play. Australia didn't have their winter league. Uh, Some of the Dominican and Latin American teams didn't have their standard winter leagues. You go from there to a full minor league season in 2021. And a lot of these guys just physically weren't ready for that full schedule. We saw soft tissue injuries go up 160%. We saw a lot of symptoms consistent with with overuse of pitchers. And not not just minor league guys. Think about Max Scherzer in the NLCS talking about having a dead arm and just not being able to go out there and pitch. And then to make it worse, you had the guys... And I'm thinking about a guy like a Nick Madrigal who was traded in the in the Kimbrel deal and he was hurt. And so all of these guys who are rehabbing some of these injuries in the offseason, uh, they can't have any contact with the medical teams. They can't have contact with the training staff. They don't have access to the team facilities, including the training rooms. And so there's a couple of groups of players that I worry about uh, when it comes to their development as prospects. So teenagers who didn't have a lot of plate appearances. Uh, think of Jason Dominguez of the Yankees. I'm going to talk to the Yankees folks tomorrow, so stay tuned for, for that. But I think about him. He's eight, he, you know, He's had one season. He's 19 years old. He's had one season with professional balls. Like, yeah, watching him on Instagram hit tanks is great, but a year of Dominican League action would have been a lot better because you're looking for those 1,500 Uh, at-bats to see what these players can do and figure out what they're going to look like. Obviously, the draft class. Think about pitchers who are ready for a workload increase. Some some organizations ramp up their pitchers by percentages, 20 to 30% higher load. Some of them do it by actual innings. 
100, 120, things like that. I have my thoughts on which method is better. That's for another show. But think about the guys who were ready for a workload increase when 2020 happened. And they weren't able to get that workload increase because all the options were the alternate site or throw it at home against a brick wall. And so how do you... How did those guys respond to the ramp up in 2021? Did they get that ramp up? Did they have to be delayed? Did they have to back off of their expected workload? And where did that put their development? That put them back a year. Think about some of the guys, some of the young guys who really need the reps, who have, they're super toolsy, but they're raw. A lot of upside, but they just, they need in-game reps to refine those skills. I'm thinking about, Astros 2019 guy, Jordan Brewer, okay? He's 23, and going into last season, he only played, what, 16 games as a professional because he missed the 2020 season. How far back did 2020 set some of these players? And then the last group that I'm thinking about are those guys who are almost ready. Those guys, think about like like a Joe Adele. Uh, Think about a Rutschman with the Orioles. What is his... Does he make an impact in 2021 at the major league level if he has a full 2020 season versus being at the alternate site? A lot of these guys, like, I mean, picture them with an extra 250 or 300 plate appearances at AAA. They're probably able to contribute last year, but now they're looking at trying to find a job this season. They're one year older, and you're one year closer to having force roster decisions on some of these guys. And I think the upcoming Rule 5 drafts are going to be huge when it comes to identifying talent. And this is where your scouting department is going to give your organization an edge. A lot of people like to look at analytics right now. A lot of people like to look at the numbers behind a guy. But so many of these players have lost a year of competition, a year of refining their skill We talked about it yesterday. Look at the Mariners going out and stealing Matt Brash from the Padres. The Mariners scouts were able to see something in Matt Brash that the Padres were not able to. And you can see the ramifications of a deal like that. I mean, the Padres made major scouting and player development changes in September because of so many deals where they got rid of so many guys. They were the number one system in 2019, and then 17 of their top 30 got traded. Uh, they, have, they moved 42 total players over 16 months from November 2019 through February 2021. I mean, and some some big-name guys. Let's talk about Hunter Renfro, Fran Mil Reyes, Ty France, Francisco Meja, Taylor Trammell, Manuel Margot. Look at pitchers, Louis Patino, Cal Quantrill, Eric Lauer. Like, they move big guys. And can you say that they adequately got the return for all of those guys? I mean, they have pieces, but... You can tell by their collapse last year that they didn't get the right return for all of those prospects and all of those guys. And so you've already seen them revamp their scouting department. You're going to see a lot of other teams making sure they have all of their their I's dotted and their T's crossed because you have to make sure that you're ready to go. This Rule 5 draft coming up in 2022 and 2023 you're going to be able to steal some players if you can correctly evaluate them based off of where they are now versus where they would have been had they gotten that season in. Some of these guys just need a fresh start, you know, just need a new place to go. And and 
Talking about new stuff, Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year. We're continuing our march to the playoffs in the NFL. Uh, baseball is getting ready to ramp up. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new updated desktop and mobile website. So check it out. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKED ON to get started. Again, promo code LOCKED ON for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online is where the game starts. And while we're talking about, uh, getting things started. You look at guys getting their career started and one of the big issues that you have that we have to figure out is the collective bargaining agreement and a path to free agency. So right now, as we know, as we've seen time and time and time again, the path to free agency is connected to service time. And because of that, teams are incentivized to not put the best players on the field for financial reasons. And I can go through prospects here and there who should have come up that didn't get to come up and things like that. The The poster shot of all of this is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant was absolutely ready to start the season. Got held back in AAA just conveniently, just long enough to get one more year of team control. Well, he didn't like that. Uh, that, is, that, that lawsuit is still going on where he filed for free agency a year earlier because he said they manipulated my service time. Uh, You have to remember, they calculate this by number of days in the major leagues. And so by doing that, you incentivize a team to not bring a guy out of spring training, to send him to the minors for two months, for three months, for one month, however long it is, just to ensure that he collects just under one year of service at the end of that season so that you get him for three years of minimum salaries and three years of arbitration. Now, you can't get rid of this completely unless you adopt an age-based free free agency system. And obviously, if you do that, it's going to disproportionately affect your Latin American players. Uh, there's already enough concerns to deal with on there, um, with that. Stick around for Friday's show. We're going to talk more about that with some of our friends from Baseball Perspectives. But I think what you need to do, there's a couple different options you can do. Um, The first one is establish a lower threshold for free agency if you've hit a certain age. So for instance, you can say, okay, six years of service time for free agency or five years if you've hit age 30 by the last day of the season. So that guys who have are a little bit farther in their careers have an opportunity to go out and get that free agent deal and hopefully be able to come back around and get that second. Um, Another change you can make in the collective bargaining agreement is ensure that there's no draft pick compensation for qualifying offer guys. 110 players have been offered the qualifying offer since that was established in the CBA. Only 11 have ever taken it. So all of the rest have rejected it. And once a team has offered the qualifying offer, and it has been rejected, they receive draft pick compensation if that player is signed. So all it does is it restricts player movement. Think about uh, Dallas Keuchel in 2019. He signs with the Braves, but he signs a third of the way through the season because nobody wanted to sign him until after the deadline to lose a draft pick had passed. So the issue there, obviously, is 
it's not doing anything to actually promote guys getting signed. It's just finding a way to lower salaries that teams have to pay out because now we're able to, we have an an excuse to wait until after an arbitrary day in the year, we can pay a prorated contract for the rest of the season. But then I think the big thing you should do is look at doing some sort of NBA style bird rights system so that a low revenue team can retain their stars. So like a low revenue team who signs an icon to an extension can deduct that salary from their revenue sharing contribution. So in essence, you're using revenue sharing money that would go to subsidize an extension for a star. And the idea is if it's not, if it doesn't punish you financially to bring a guy up early because you're going to receive a subsidy from minor league, from major league baseball to re-sign that player, you eliminate the incentive to do the unethical behavior of holding them down when they don't need it. Uh, There's no obvious easy solution to this problem, but it's something that you have to address in the CBA. This has to get taken care of um, because if not, you're going to continue to see that hostility between the players and management when it comes to, to service time, when it comes to free agency contracts, and when it comes to these collective bargaining agreements and their negotiations like we're dealing with now where there is no negotiation to speak of. They're supposed to talk about it apparently in two weeks. Don't quite know what, what's going to take so long. But if you have any questions about collective bargaining, uh, if you have a better idea about what to do to take care of the path of free agency, reach out to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email the show, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Remember, this show is your only daily podcast covering the minor leagues, available wherever you get your podcasts. So rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on MLB Prospects.